So, hey guys, my name is Christian. I'm the lead pastor here at City Lake. So, I want to start by uh, by telling you a story of one, just one of the one of my favorite stories that I've that's happened to me, and um, I, I hope that you find it half as funny as I find it because I'll be laughing. Um, so, a couple years ago, a few friends of mine and I we went to an island um, off the coast of California. Okay, and so this is this really neat um, experience that I've never done anything like it in my life. You, you basically get dropped off on this island, and there's no one else on the island. There's one campground that you can rent. There's like a science study station up on the other side of the island, and there's maybe like a person there. But basically, you're totally alone on this island, and the boat leaves. So you're stranded on an island for as long as you paid for it. And so we were headed out there, and uh, we were super, super excited to do this. And right before we got on the boat, they said, look, there's this big rainstorm coming. Um, either we have to pick you up a day early, or you have to like hunker down through the rainstorm, and we'll pick you up a day late, uh, because there's no way we can get to you, which was equal parts exciting and terrifying. So we chose the safer option, um, probably because I was on the trip. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm not a big risk taker. So we spent two days on this island. So I got some pictures. This is us before the hike and the rain and everything else. So we look like we're ready to roll. We're happy. We look clean and well-fed. Um, all right, so then we got to the island, and we had to hike, like, uh, I don't know, six or seven miles carrying everything that we owned, because that's how I pack. All right, now, I got made fun of a lot on this trip, but I, I, I will tell you, that everybody on that trip used something from my pack at some point, okay? And if I would have been mean, I would have just kept it to myself. I mean, I had every form of medicine that you can think of. Um, I had narcotics. I had, no, not that. But um, I did have anti-anxiety medicine. I had, I had a first aid kits. Um, the hard thing about this island is there's no fresh water. And so you have to carry in your water. And I don't know if you've ever carried water, like longer than just from your car to the inside. It's heavy, and you put that on your pack. So we, we started off, remember, happy, clean, well-fed. Then we hiked, and then it started raining. Okay, so this is, this is our first morning. Um, it rained through the night. It, it rained through our tents. It rained into our clothes and into our shoes. And, uh, but what the beautiful thing was, honestly, this, all this haze, like if you could see through the haze, you could see just ocean as far as you could see. It was gorgeous. And it burned off. And we hiked like eight, eight or nine miles that day, which was awesome. But also our feet were totally soaking wet the whole time. And so I don't know if you've ever hiked with soaking wet feet. It's not awesome, right? And uh, so our feet were hurting. We smelled. I don't know if you've ever hiked with five or six guys all day for two days in wet socks, that didn't smell good. And then as the storm came in, it got cold. So this was us on the ride home. Now, I'm smiling because I'm a fool, but you can tell this is Colin. He looks not so happy about what's happening. Um, and uh, Jonathan, always a man of style. He's ready to go. So what's important for my story is that you take note of what we're wearing. Okay, sweatshirts. Um, I, I, I almost brought these to show you, but I'm wearing pajama pants because that's the only thing I had left that were dry. Um, and so we were dressed nicely. No, we weren't dressed nicely at all. Um, and we were all kind of cold, wet, cranky, smelly, dressed in our worst clothes. Um, and, and, but I'll tell you what. If I know one guy who can pull this off and still look good, it's Jonathan. <laughs> I seriously could look at that picture all day long. 
I was going to make it into a meme, but there's no words that can make that any funnier. I mean, like, right across the top, welcome to City Light. I mean, wouldn't that be great? Can we put that out, out front? I picked this shell for you. Let's see that. At least got a silly hand. All right. All, the other ones I thought of were inappropriate. So, okay. Um, keep in mind what we're wearing. All right. So, so we, we, got, we landed. We were cold freezing, but mostly we were really, really hungry. And so we got in the cars. We pumped the heat. Because, by the way, it's, a, it's, a, it's an hour-long boat ride. And I don't know if you know this, but it's windy on boats. And so we were, like, chilled to the core. So, anyway... We decided, uh, we follow, this guy's name's Jason, and um, he, he, uh, we decided to follow him to a restaurant, which was a poor choice, um, because he only knows fancy restaurants. So he, he put in this GPS, this fancy restaurant, and we showed up at this restaurant, and I want you to think of the fanciest restaurant you've ever been to. I mean, I'm telling you the truth. This was like, no one in there was wearing anything, you know, like, anything like what we were wearing. Okay, they were, girls were in dresses, guys had ties. Like, this was a nice restaurant. Mistake number one, we thought we had found a back door. It was actually the kitchen. So we entered through the kitchen, walked through the, by the chefs, you know, these five or six, I don't know how many were on this trip, I should figure out, six. Okay, six guys walking through the kitchen, smelly in our PJs, and you know, some of us, like, uh, oh, two people had gotten so sick of their shoes that on the way we... We stopped and they bought flip-flops. So we're walking in with flip-flops on, and, uh, and then we come in the back of the restaurant. So we have to uh, walk through all the tables up to the front to the hostess, who's like, you know, who are these people? I said, hey, we'd like a table for six. And she looked around. She was like, well, you know, we're full. And she didn't say the thing like, what's your name? You know, here's how long the wait is. She just was like, you know, we're full. Like, <laughs> We are, this is all we're feeding tonight. Like, we're, after this, we're closed. And we're like, well, can we, you know, we'll wait. We'll wait out front. No big deal. So we put our names on the list, and we went out front. And we were walking around, checking out the town. And we would occasionally walk by because it was a glass storefront and look in. And there was, you know, pretty quickly, this, this big table for six was open. And I was standing out front, and I was, like, looking in. And she would, like, you know, when we walked by, she was like, oh, really busy, really busy. So finally, after like 20 minutes, I, I'm like not making this up. You know, um, I know pastors do make up stories, but this one's true, okay? Um, so I went in and I said, hey, that table looks like we could fit. Like, would we be allowed to sit there? And you could tell it was like all that she could do to say yes. She was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and so this three, six smelly guys came in. And the joke was actually on us because the plates were, as, as per usual, right, at fancy restaurants, the plates were so expensive, and they gave you, like, no food. You know, you paid, like, 20 bucks for what would normally pass as an appetizer. I mean, appetizers at Applebee's are bigger than the entrees at this place, right? So um, after we spent tons of money at this restaurant, we then walked across the street to a pizza restaurant, and we spent 20 bucks and ate until we were full. So, um, but the moral of the story is, remember that Jonathan looks good no matter what, okay? <laughs> just want to just tie that in, all right? I'm going to come back to that a lot, so I hope you have that. We've printed out cards that we're going to hand out at the end today that you can take this home, put it on your fridge. It'll remind you of today. How about, never mind. Okay. Got to move on from that. All right. So we were not welcome as we were, and that's the main point. There you go. That's the moral of the story. We were not welcome to come just as we were. We were not welcome that way. And I want to ask you, like, do you have anywhere in your life where you know 
you can just be yourself. That you can just come just as you are no matter what. You know, for some of you, it might be the, the family home that you grew up in or are still growing up in, or it might not be that home. Um, you know, for me, I would say it's my wife. You know, uh, Mandy is right there, and she's awesome. Hey, Mandy. And so we, you know, after we got married, we would talk about how home was really not so much a place, but was being together, that we could be home when we were together. And she has seen me at my lowest of the low um, I don't want to tell too many stories, but I mean, she's seen me like in the middle of the night having panic attacks, like pulling my hair out, like I'm going to, I'm never going to sleep. I mean, I'm just, that's a recreation. It was worse than that. Okay. I was on vacation, which was even better, you know, and uh, she's seen me at my lowest points where I am, uh, where I've made horrible mistakes. I one time made a mistake that, um, well, I won't tell you too much about it, but it felt like it cost this organization $13,000 that I worked for, um, and, I, and I, that like fell on my head. We found out later that it really wasn't my fault, Whew. but she saw me when I was freaking out about them, and she's seen me. She, I know that I can come to her whether I'm feeling good and confident or whether I'm feeling lousy and terrible. She's a safe place for me. And I, I, you've probably got something like that, but here's the problem. I love how John is just sitting there looking at us. Uh, I don't really have a screen. Wait, do I? Okay, yeah, I do. All right. So, you know, do you feel like you can come just as you are to Jesus? And that's where I want to talk about today. Do you feel like that? Because I think that some of us do, and I think some of us have grown up thinking that we're not, we're not ready or we're not enough or we don't have what it takes. We don't have the background. We don't have the education. We haven't lived a good enough life to come to Jesus just as we are. Oftentimes we think, you know, I've, I've heard this from people that I'm close to actually, and they'll say, you know, I, I can't be a follower of Jesus because I don't want to be a hypocrite. You know, I don't want to, I know who I am and I know my lifestyle and I can't say I'm a follower of Jesus because I'm not willing to give up certain things. And they feel like they have to jump through these hoops before they can actually come to Jesus. You know, I want to ask you, do you feel like you can come just as you are to church? Maybe you've grown up in church where, like I, I grew up in a church um, and I loved the pastor and he was an incredible guy. He actually just passed away a, a couple months ago. He, he was an incredible, incredible pastor. His name was Pastor Dorr um, and we went to this little Methodist church. But you really couldn't just come as you were. You had to, like just physically, you had to dress up. I was an acolyte. I had to wear a white robe. I mean, how different is that from my normal life? I did not wear white robes in my normal life and walk around lighting things on fire. Well, I did light things on fire, but it was different. Um, so, you know, I think this is a valid question. Do you feel like you can come to church no matter what your week's been like, no matter what your, your current uh, situation in your life is like? I mean, have you felt welcomed and accepted like just as you are. And I know there's a lot of people, in fact, this is, research will bear this out, that there's a lot of people who have left the church because they don't feel like they can come just as they are. And I think that's really sad. So I want to talk about this today. I want to talk about the story of the resurrection of Jesus. Shocker, right? I mean, you were thinking maybe, maybe I was going to talk about the birth of Jesus, right? But today on Easter, I thought, let's talk about the resurrection of Jesus. So um, John is one of the early followers of Jesus. He was with Jesus when Jesus got arrested. He was with Jesus. He was the only disciple to not um, run away when Jesus was crucified. He stayed there at the foot of the cross. John was one of the first disciples to the empty tomb. 
And he wrote a book that we aptly have named the book of John. <laughs> so he, he wrote this book, and um, at the end of the book, he says, I've written these, these things so that you may know that Jesus is the Son of God and so that you may believe and have life in him. That's why he wrote this book. So we're going to read his account. He was an eyewitness to most of these things, and, and the things that he wasn't, they, they pulled their information. So early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Okay, the other disciple is John. So he doesn't really, he kind of feels uncomfortable writing about himself, you can tell, um, except for a really funny thing that's about to happen. So that's John, the one Jesus loved. That's kind of weird. Right? Would you call yourself out like that? All right. And it said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Jesus had talked a lot about this thing that was going to happen. He said, in all sorts of different illustrations, I'm going to die and raise again in three days. But you can tell right away that the, the followers of Jesus didn't quite get this. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. Now, this is what I would do if I wrote this book. But the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. You know, Peter's like, I cannot believe that John said he beat me there. I clearly was there first. So anyway, um, he bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. So John gets to the tomb first, but something keeps him from going in. Peter kind of is more of the, the brash, kind of bold disciple. He just runs right through. He came along behind and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. Now, why? Why is that detail in there? You know, it's significant because even in this time, even in this time, they were afraid that people would steal his body, right? They were, the, the religious people of that day were so mad at Jesus and the things he was saying. So the way these cloths are described, if someone had stolen his body, A, they probably wouldn't have unwrapped it, right? B, they wouldn't have been nice and neat, <laughs> So there's a separate cloth around the head that they was folded nicely at the head. All right, so it's just interesting little details. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, John, <laughs> just saying it one more time. I mean, how petty is that? All right, also went inside, and he saw and believed. So this is the first sign of belief that we see. All right, they, the, the tomb's empty. Jesus has said these things. I want you to see how long it takes people to believe that Jesus had raised from the dead. All right, so Mary stood outside the tomb crying. So she came back with them, but she, whatever they did, they left to go tell the other disciples. And you can go, I encourage you to go read the accounts in the four eyewitness accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can read about them. But Mary stays, and she, you can tell, this is, this is where the disciples were. They were heartbroken. They didn't really know what to expect from Jesus, but they knew something big was happening. Some of them had understood that he was what was called the Messiah, which was the Jewish hope, but they didn't really get that this was also he was going to not only you know, overcome sin, but he was going to overcome death. I mean, they just didn't have a context to put that in, all right? Even though he had said it to them. So she sits outside the tomb just weeping and she just doesn't know what to do. I mean, they're already heartbroken that Jesus and all the hope and all the dreams has been shattered. That these men, these mere men had crucified him. And then she sees these two angels seated at where Jesus' body had been. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? If you read all the accounts, you can find out angels kind of are a little bit snarky. Like they don't, like, why do you think she's crying? You know, she's at a tomb. That's what people do. They cry, all right? 
She says, they've taken my Lord away and I don't know where they've put him. All right, I just want to say, I don't know what is going through Mary's head here either because there's angels there. And, and you can tell, even the angels don't do it. At this, she turned around, she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't even realize it was Jesus. And, and Jesus kind of like messing with her too. You know, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? I just want you to, if you could get into where Mary is right now, like she's so distraught, she can't even recognize Jesus. I mean, I don't know what you think's going on there. I don't think Jesus did like a shapeshifter thing, you know, where he's like, gardener, and then he rips off his gardener clothes. He's like, psych, I'm Jesus, April Fool's, you know. Um, but somehow, she, I think she's so distraught. I think she's weeping and mourning, and then there's these angels, and there's this guy. Who took, I just want to find his body. We couldn't even give him a proper burial. I just, she desperately wanted to do right by her Lord and Savior. And so, thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, please tell me where to put him. I will go get him. You don't even have to go get him. And Jesus said, Mary, which is the verse that Candace was talking about, which was awesome that she shared that. I didn't know she was going to. She turned toward him and cried out, Teacher! And all of a sudden, it all changed. Can you imagine? Like, okay, so we know, like, Jesus died and rose from the dead, right? Some of you who have been churchgoers your whole life, you believe this and you kind of take it at face value. Maybe you don't even spend a lot of time thinking, well, that's crazy. Have you ever thought about this? And maybe you're not, like, not, like, super bought into this part of it. You think Jesus was a great teacher. He had some good stuff to say. But this is, like, this is a little much. And I think Mary was there. She was... She, she couldn't find belief. Somehow John found belief just seeing the empty tomb, right? But Mary needed to see Jesus. And then she, then she got it. And she ran, went running back. She's the first person to see Jesus risen. I'm going to side note here because it, it has to be said, but it really isn't about my teaching. But if you were going to write this story and make it up, there's a number of things you wouldn't do. Number one, you wouldn't have all the followers not believing him. Number two, in this culture, you would not have Mary Magdalene be the first person to tell people Jesus has risen from the dead because she's a woman. And in that society, women had no rights and were treated as property. And number two, Mary had been a prostitute. So she was a low on the totem pole. But how much like Jesus is it? Get this that he revealed himself to the first person being Mary Magdalene. That should make all of us feel welcome. That should make all of us feel that we can just come as we are. But this is so cool. She runs back and she tells the disciples, I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. He's alive. I can't believe it. They're like, you're crazy. It was a ghost. No, no. i serious. It was Jesus. He was alive. There's another part I'm not going to read you where Jesus comes and all the disciples are there except for Thomas. And, and they think he's a ghost, and he, the only way he can prove to them that he's real is that he eats some food. And they're like, okay, well, I mean, I guess they knew, like, ghosts can't eat food. So that really did it for him. All right, and then another day, a week later, Thomas was, was hanging out with them, and the disciples were like, Thomas, I don't know, first of all, where that guy's been, right? He's missed some important things. He's been, like, went on vacation. You know when you schedule vacation at, like, the wrong time, and you miss something important? This, this poor guy, he's like, what's happened, guys? You know? All right. So he walks in, uh, the other disciples tell him, we've seen the Lord. Now, I actually identify with Thomas, and maybe you're kind of like this. He's like, what? No. Unless I see 
the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were. I think it's just being, you know, a little bit of exaggeration here. And my hand into his side. I will not believe. I think this is some of us here today. Like, I need some evidence. I mean, you are asking for a lot for me to believe that some guy could raise from the dead. So a week later, Jesus, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Because I think every time he was with them, they got a little freaked out. And then he said to Thomas, hey, Thomas, I love this about Jesus because he knows you know, what we're thinking and saying even when he's not there, right? So put your finger in here. See my hands. Reach your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And I just imagine Thomas probably just falling to his knees and just saying, my Lord and my God. What an incredible turn for Thomas. And, and it's significant that he doesn't just say my Lord, which is like my leader, my follower, my, or my leader, my leader. I'm the follower, my leader, my master, my teacher, but he says, my God. And Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I don't think he's rebuking Thomas there. I actually think this is in here for us. I think this is us. Blessed are us who have not seen and yet believed. We haven't seen Jesus physically walking around. Jesus appeared to hundreds of disciples over the course of many weeks, but then went to heaven. And he said to his followers, now it's your job to go into all the world and tell people the good news. What's the good news? The good news is that the one thing, the one barrier that we will all face and that we are all powerless over is death. That's the one great thing that none of us can escape. We have nothing we can do to stop death. And I don't want to get like too serious here on Easter because I know Easter is like supposed to be lighthearted and, uh, you know, exciting. But I want to talk about like, why did Jesus have to die? Why this story? Why are we so obsessed with this crucifixion, this gruesome uh, execution of, of the person that we thought thinking considered to be God? And then this burial and tomb and resurrection. Why is this so important? And the reason it's so important is that no one has ever done this before or since. I mean, even like Jonathan talked a couple weeks ago about Lazarus and when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But guess what? Lazarus died again. Poor guy. Not many guys who can say that, but you know, he's dead, right? Jesus, number one, didn't need anybody to pray for him. He just raised from the dead on his own and he's still alive. You know, a couple years ago, um, my mom, you know, she, she's been sick for basically my whole life and then the last year, two years was just kind of a downward spiral. And I, and I, I don't want to get like super emotional. So I'm going to like gloss through this really painful story, but uh, just, just ride along with me. Okay. I sat by my mom's bed and, and watched her pass away. And you don't always get to do that when people die. I know that that was like a privilege and, and a really special moment, if you can say that, to be by her side. And um, it just is so final. And we've all know, we all know people who have died. But it's, there's, there's no like, wait, wait, wait. I didn't say things I wanted to say. Like restart. Can we try that again? Or, you know, it's not like the person who moves away and you can go visit them occasionally. Like it's just all of a sudden I will never talk to my mom again. Like in this moment, like I was talking to her the night before and now I can never talk to her again. And, and I will never see her again. And it's just so final. And it's this thing that none of us can do anything about. We can get really medical and really smart and we can prolong life. But death comes for all of us, right? 
And there's nothing we can do about this. There's nothing we can do to change that. And, and I, I don't know about you, but that is like important to me. It's kind of scary to me. And so the resurrection is hard for me to believe. I'll be honest with you. Like that is, that is not something that's easy for me to, as a thinking, logical person. Like I like to be logical. I like things to make sense. And this is like hard to believe. It's a little bit out there for me, okay? But I believe it because there's something in me that says there's gotta be more than just this life. There's got, to, there's got to be more than just I'm here and then I'm dead and then I'm done and I'm nothing. And so Jesus came to say, yes, I'm going to give you more. But the only way I can give you more is by defeating death, that one thing that no one else can defeat. So that's why he had to die. And that's why he had to raise from the dead. And that's why he is saying, all of you are welcome to come and be part of this new life. So this is the point I want to leave you with today. Jesus meets us where we are and invites us to come as we are. So you've got people in this story that you might be like. You, know, you might be like um, Peter, who just ran into the tomb and just got it right away. You might be like him, and you might just be so excited, and I believe this. And you know, I think Jesus would just say, he wants to meet you where you are today, and he wants to just fill your heart with more faith and more love today. You, know, you might be like Mary, who's just, broken and hurting and confused and you want to believe but you know honestly you need something more from Jesus can I just tell you that I think that if you ask for Jesus to show you more of himself I don't think he's probably going to appear physically you know but I believe he will reveal himself to you you know you might be like John who's standing outside the tomb and this one really really hit me this week as I prayed about this talk he was standing outside the tomb, but he didn't have an encounter with the living Jesus. Only Mary did at that time. Now, John saw him later multiple times. But, you know, I think some of us here might feel like that's what your religious experience has been like. It's kind of like, yeah, like, I've got all the accoutrements, but I just don't feel the life. Like, I've had a lot of religious kind of upbringing or religious experience. Maybe you've even been to church a lot, but it's always been just like, about the structure and the rules and the ritual. And you're like, you know what? Church has never felt alive to me. God has never felt alive or close or real to me. And I just think Jesus wants you to know that he's okay meeting you where you are. And he's okay with you coming. He's like, it's okay. I want to take you just one more step today. I want to take you one more step. Let me show you some more of my love for you like we sang about so much today. My, my love for you, my grace for you, my forgiveness for you, my healing for you. And last, there might be some people here who are, who are like Thomas, honestly. And you're like, you know what? I came because I come to church on Easter. I came because my friend is like incessantly inviting me to City Lake because Christian apparently just will not shut up about inviting people. And so, you know, I came, hopefully they won't invite me again. I mean, I don't know, like, why, why people come, honestly. I don't know why you're here. I don't know why. I, no, I know why I'm here. But, um, but I think even if you're like, I don't believe this. Like, Thomas looked in the, the face of his friends and said, I think you're lying. I don't believe this. I could talk all I want to you about this, and you might be like, I just don't believe this. I want to just tell you, like, there's room for you in the family of Jesus. Like, there's room for you here at City Light. And, you know, honestly, he will meet you where you are. If you're like, listen, I don't believe anything. I think Jesus is like, okay, let's start there. 
That sounds good to me. Jesus wasn't upset at Thomas or offended or afraid. He's not afraid of your doubt. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your pain. I mean, maybe for some of you, it's more personal and you've been hurt and you're like, I've been there once. I've been hurt so badly. I know not to become vulnerable with church and or God. I think Jesus is like, okay, I'll meet you where you are. I will come to you. See, I think the the wrong message we give is that you have to just, it's all on you, it's all on you. You know, I think Jesus is pursuing us way more than we're pursuing him. You know, you can just, he will meet you where you are and he just says, listen, just come as you are. Don't worry about getting it all together. Don't worry about figuring it all out. Don't worry about having all the right answers. Just come as you are. You know, I was praying this morning, it's kind of a football analogy, but like, I don't think Jesus is looking for the Hail Mary this morning, all right? I think he's just looking for you to just like gain a couple yards, you know, just a handoff, just gain a couple yards. Like, what can you do today? So we're going to pass out some cards that are going to come around. Just take this card home. It just has this written on it. And whatever you want to do with it is fine with me. <laughs> you can throw it away, burn it. Um, you know, I hate that Christian guy. Uh, or you can set it, set it somewhere to remind you just to think about this a little bit. But we're going to have a response time right now. Yep, we are. Here it comes. Ready? Boom. So we end with five minutes of response and reflection time. And here's what you can do. You can sing. We're going to do one more song. You can go get prayer. If you want to reconnect with Jesus, if the things I've been saying have been stirring you, if you want to feel God's love more deeply or you want healing from some of those past wounds that have kept you from Jesus, we have people over there ready to pray for you. You can take communion during this last song. So we have communion set up over there. If you're new to church or don't go to church, what communion is is basically we take a little cup of juice and a little piece of bread and it represents Jesus' blood and body that he gave to us dying on the cross. That's all. You, you go, you eat them, and you're supposed to just contemplate how grateful you are for him dying for your sins. If you don't want to do that, you don't have to do that. It's just there if you want to. Also, you can take this card and on the back, while we're singing, if you want to just write down one step you can take, and I don't care where you are. You know, if you're, if, you're the, if you're the guy running into the tomb full of belief and faith, or if you're, the, if you're Thomas and you're like, I don't get any of this stuff. Just write down, like, what's one step you could take? Maybe one step would be, I'll get coffee with Christian and tell him how much I don't believe what he's saying. That's what I do with my time. I would love to buy you coffee and talk about that. Maybe one step would be coming back to City Light next week. We'll be here. We would love to see you. And, and really, there's no hoops for you to jump through. You don't have to like get it straight before you come here. Just come be with us. Maybe one step would be joining us as we serve the community or getting prayer today or just going home by yourself and spending some time talking to God. Even if you don't believe in him, I'd encourage you just to talk to him. That might make you feel a little crazy, but go for it, all right? So we're gonna sing this last song. Can I pray for you real quick? Would you just stand with with me? I wanna pray for you. Jesus, thank you that you paid the price to free us from death and that you don't make us jump through any hoops to receive your life. You say that you'll meet us right where we are and we can come just as we are. For everyone in this room who's ever felt distance, I pray that you would draw near to them today. And if we can just keep our eyes closed for one second, we do this every week. If, if you're here today and you want to reconnect with Jesus, you're like, man, I feel that distance. Or if you've never connected with Jesus ever in your life, you've never said, yeah, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Just raise your hand for a second. Not so that we're going to point you out, but just so uh, me or one of our prayer people can come just 
talk to you real quick. It's a big decision. We're not rushing you. But if you want to recommit to Jesus, reconnect, just raise your hand. Jesus, we just pray for more of your life today as we celebrate your resurrection to fill our hearts. Amen.